0: greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Let us worship God.
1: Good morning. Welcome to Fort Street Presbyterian Church. Uh, I'm Pastor Garrett. This is Pastor Sarah. And I think I have my mic on now. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have her mic on excuse us uh, we're new here and i um, still figuring things <laughs> out so yeah there we go uh it's Welcome. so good to be with you all here this morning thank you for uh giving up a little bit of sunshine coming to come into our beautiful sanctuary and to join us for those of you that are watching online on facebook or youtube or whatever other outlets thank you for joining us and uh, it's so good to be with you here this morning
2: Just uh-huh.
0: Please join me as we confess to God. Redeeming God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart and have not loved our neighbors as we should. We have strayed from your commandments. Forgive us for the ways we cling to what is known, what is safe, and what gives us power. Do not remember us for these things. Forgive us so that we may fix our eyes on you and sin no more. In this time of silence, God, hear the confessions of our hearts. Friends, by the faith of Christ, your sins are forgiven. May you delight in the joy of your salvation.
1: first text comes to us from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 through 10. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You're my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission from death. Excuse me. He was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered and having been made perfect he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So I need some help this morning. I was, was hoping we'd have some children to to help me out, but in their absence, I see some running back in the corners there. But in their absence, I, I think adults will do as well. Um, I'm really working on my my grip lately, and I really want to try to hold on to some water, and I I haven't really figured out the best way, so. I'll, Kind of show you a few of my techniques here, okay? So here's here's one. And you see every time I do that, I just, I mean, I get a little bit, but it's all over my hands, and it's not really enough, you know? So I, I've i also tried this, where I just flatten my palms, and I go. But then it's, it's just the same thing over, over and over. Does anyone have any suggestions for me how I might... The s- squeezing the water doesn't seem to work. Not squeezing the water doesn't seem to work. What could I do? <laughs> I could give up. <laughs> what was that, Val? I yeah. Oh, okay. Like yeah, I could. Okay, I could kind of cut my. I could hold them like this, not so tight, not so loose, and. You know, if the water was deeper, oh look at that. That works okay yeah I'll, I'll try that out i'll try not to hold the water so tightly and also not too loosely I, i've been working on this other thing too you know sometimes you ever notice how much breath you have to take in a day and it's just like gosh i have to take another breath <sighs> sometimes i wish i could just hold the one breath sometimes you get a really good breath of fresh air and you just want to hold on to it don't you Eventually, you got to exhale. Eventually, you got to let that really good breath of air go, don't you? Is there anyone? We have a doctor over here. Doctor, is there anything that we can do to not have to exhale to keep our good breath in? <laughs> well, yeah, you could die. That's good. I, I didn't mean for the children's sermon to get so dark, but <laughs> I guess you could. You know, I, I, I'm learning Check. lately that Check. you have to hold things loosely can't cling to things and we're going to talk about that more in the sermon but I, I think you know it's kind of a silly example to hold water but but it's actually a really good example because if you're not too tight and you're not too loose you can at least hold it for a minute we always have to let go don't we let's pray good and loving God I thank you for water Thank you for the breath of life. God, thank you for wisdom. God, I pray that you would teach us what it means to not cling, to not hold on to things too tightly, to trust. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: What could a child? Okay.
1: That was beautiful, thank you. Our gospel selection comes to us today from John chapter 12, uh, verses 20, and in your bulletin it says 33, that's a mistake by me. Uh, we're going to go to um, verse 26, so 20 through 26. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your son. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for time set aside to listen to beautiful music, to hear ancient words. and God, hopefully to receive some wisdom from you. God, I pray that whatever we would hear this morning would come from you and from your son and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to begin by doing something that I I shouldn't do per all of my seminary professors, and that is I'm, I'm going to talk about a Greek word. Now, I'm doing this because my wife did this the other day in one of her sermons, and she broke the rule, so she can break the rule. I guess I can break the rule, too. Uh, there, there's this word for sin um, in, in the Greek, hamartia, and you've, you've probably heard this if you've spent any amount of time in churches. And the word hamartia, pastors remind us over and over, means to miss the mark. And then they usually very cleverly and joyfully add, and this is an archery term. And they're exactly right. That and it, It's a great illustration of what sin can mean, because sometimes we we take sin to be um, this this big, big problem, and and it is. I don't want to minimize it, but it can also be like missing the thing that we're aiming at, right? Well, I heard this, this person the other day say that hamartia can also mean missing the point, and I thought, well, that's an interesting way to think about sin, missing the point, I miss the point on a, a lot of things all the time and and I started thinking well where you know where else have I missed the point and I've been reading through the, the gospel of John and the gospel of Mark as we've kind of been preaching uh in, in Lent and I thought man I've I've really been missing the point of Christianity in some ways and I say that as a minister too and and I think you know maybe maybe there are more of us out there that feel like we're, we're missing the point, and, and the point that I feel like I'm missing is this whole idea that Jesus preaches over and over and over, that whoever would love their life will lose it, and whoever would, here it says hate, other places it says reject, whoever would hate their life will find it. I've been missing the point of that for so long, and, I, and I, I'm not going to claim to understand it, but I want us to try to get closer to an understanding of that this morning, and so I've prepared a 12-point sermon. Now, for some of you Baptists out there, it's exactly what it sounds like. That, that's four three-point sermons back to back to back. But I, we're almost done with point one here, so just hold on tight. I'm going to tell you 11 more stories, and I promise it, it won't be four sermons long. I know my audience. <laughs> Someone actually told me before the service, Uh, How long do you and Sarah preach? I said between 15 and 20 minutes. And this person said, I'm not going to name names. He said, yeah, anything over 20 minutes, that's not a Presbyterian sermon. (laughs) Duly, duly noted. So in one of Reverend Mark Keeley's last sermons here, he preached on a really interesting idea that I want to pick up on. The idea is that Jesus was actually a disciple of John the Baptist. Now, there's some scholarly consensus around this. It's not, it's not that unusual, but it's not an idea we talk about a lot from the pulpit. And Keeley you know, brings this up because he, he wants to talk about the humanity of Jesus and how difficult it must have been for Jesus to make some of the decisions that Jesus made to become a religious leader, because, you know, if Jesus is a follower of John, after John the Baptist is arrested, Jesus has a choice to make. Is he going to pick up the mantle where John left off, or is he going to kind of go his own way and, and do whatever? Maybe he'll go the way of being a high priest, like it says in Hebrews, But We know he didn't do that, right? And so Keeley wanted to say that there must have been some kind of struggle for Jesus, that that perhaps Jesus didn't feel spiritual enough to be John's successor, that perhaps Jesus struggled with some kind of anxiety about who he was going to be. Keeley goes on to say this this really beautiful point of he had to give it up. Jesus had to let go of that anxiety, that fear. He also had to maybe let go of what he thought would be a normal path in ministry or teaching, which was going to be a priest in the temple, going on to be a high priest. He had to let go of it. Probably after John was arrested, he had to (laughs) reassess his whole life and say, you know, I I have no idea what's going to happen, so we're going to hold this loosely. Are there any basketball fans in here? NBA, a little bit, yeah. So does anyone know why Kobe Bryant will never be considered the greatest, the greatest basketball player of all time, number one? I'm mean gonna tell you, so he, he you know, Kobe um, was a phenomenal one-on-one player. There are legends about him, um, you know, beating pros while he was in high school. There are uh, stories about him staying after practice to beat people one-on-one. He is legendary. He has five NBA championships. He is, uh, I believe he was league MVP a couple of times. He is phenomenal, was a phenomenal basketball player. But anytime you hear serious people talking about the sport, they never bring Kobe's name up when they talk about the greatest of all time. They bring up who? Michael Jordan and who else, Henry? You think LeBron James? LeBron James, uh, sometimes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell's in there. Uh, It's usually just Jordan and LeBron though. There's a reason for that. It's not because Kobe wasn't a great basketball player, but Kobe famously could not pass the ball. He couldn't give it up. He he often would get very selfish down the stretch, and there were some, you know, th- there's this great book called, um, I think it's Showtime Lakers, it's by Jeff Perlman, but he talks about how there, there were a bunch of problems in the locker room because they should have won like four or five championships in a row, but Almost everyone in the locker room blamed it on Kobe and, and Kobe's inability to pass the ball. He couldn't let go. And so while he ends up being among the greats, he'll never seriously be considered the greatest basketball player of all time. If you'd like to challenge me on that, by the way, I'd, l- I'd love to have that conversation sometime. There's this co- conflict all throughout the Gospels with Jesus and the religious leaders, and the conflict basically boils down to this. The religious leaders, when they read Scripture, they read it according to the letter, exactly what it says. And Jesus is constantly telling them, you are, you're, you're missing the point. You're substituting the letter of the law for the spirit of the law, or the other way around, you're substituting the spirit of the law for the letter of the law, but they couldn't give up their reading of scripture. They couldn't give up their interpretation. They couldn't let go of how they'd been taught to read it, and so they're always butting heads with Jesus. You ever have a friend that clings on to memories for a little too long, I have a friend that every time I talk to him, the only thing we talk about is high school football. This right now it you know, it's fifteen years ago this year for me. And you know, at at, at some point I want to tell him, Hey, you you gotta give that up. You gotta let go. But he, he wants to relive the joys and he wants to relive the tragedies and it's like the same stories over and over and over again, you know? You kinda just wanna tell him like, Hey you really talk about that a lot. Uh, and it, It's been a while since high school. Let's give that up. It's not just in, you know, high school football. We, we do that in the church sometimes, don't we? We cling to the past. We cling to what came before us. kind of dangerous to cling to life too much, you know. I, I've heard that rabbits don't make the best pets because rabbits look so cuddly, and especially around small children, that you, you can actually very easily squeeze them until they pass away. You can cling too much, you can hold on too tightly. I was reading about Harriet Tubman this week and and I had read about her before and heard stories but her, her name came up in my sermon research and I did you know that she so after she escaped from slavery in the south and she found freedom in the north and found this this new life she left that she she gave all that up and she went back to the south and she helped other people become free and she did that 19 times 19 times to help over 300 people. She didn't cling to her life. She didn't cling to what she had received. She held it loosely and even gave it up. Did anyone watch The Office in here? Any Office fans? One, couple, okay, I see, a, I see a few hands. The Office was this sitcom that came out right around the end of my uh, time in high school, and then it got really popular when I was in college, and so I, I've watched it through a few times. And um, There's this great story about uh, the character Jim, who's portrayed by John Krasinski, and uh, around season three of when The Office was really, really getting big, Uh, John Krasinski and other actors were getting movie deals because they're becoming more popular and so uh, John Krasinski got an offer to uh, star in the movie Leatherheads with George Clooney and a couple other uh, established actors and he really wanted to take it because he was kind of this nobody actor that didn't have opportunity and now here comes the office with all this opportunity for him and so he went to the the heads of NBC, the producers of the show and he, he said hey I've I've got this contract for a movie, and I really, really want to take it. Do you, do you think I could do that? And the producers asked him, well, well what's it going to require? And he said, well, the, the biggest thing is that I'm going to have to cut my hair. And the producer said, no, you, you can't do that. You can't wear a wig on set. We're going to, we're going to know if you're wearing a wig, you know. And so they, they sent him away. And John Krasinski came back sometime later, and he said, would you, I, I just want you to reconsider, please because I really want to have this, this movie deal. It's going to be great for my career. This is what I've been working for my entire life, to get to this, this point. And please, please, we, we can do the wig professionally. I promise you won't know if I'm wearing a wig or not. And the producers of the show said, no, you're no. Get out of here and don't come back again. I think we would know if you were wearing a wig. And John Krasinski stops. He pulls his wig off, and he goes, politely, I don't think you would. And I love that story because here's this no-name actor with really no power or, or status in the acting industry, and he laid everything on the line to get this next deal. He effectively gave up his acting career in order to find it. If you've ever been to an airport or a mall or anywhere where there are uh, stairs beside escalators, you know that like 90% of people take the escalator, right? Well, there were researchers in, in Stockholm, uh, Sweden, that wanted to try to figure out how could you get people to take the stairs more often, and so they did this, this really interesting uh, study they turned the stairs into a set of piano keys with each step representing an individual key. And they, they found a way, these mechanisms, to make the stairs actually musical. And so what they did was they installed all these and they placed some cameras around and they studied how many more people were willing to take the stairs when the stairs weren't stairs, they were a piano. And they found that it was something like 60 or 70% more people were willing to take the stairs. And the way they took the stairs, though, too, was really interesting because they're, you know, dancing and skipping and they're playing certain tunes, those of them that are uh, musically inclined. And it was this really beautiful thing. But the researchers concluded that, that actually they had to get people to let go of their perceptions of what it meant to take the stairs, Right. I tell you to climb the stairs you think of a certain thing but if I tell you to go climb the piano <laughs> that's a very different thing. And so they found that if you can let go of your perception you're actually a little more willing to do something difficult. This idea of clinging is all throughout scripture and th- this is why I say I've kind of been missing the point in Christianity for a long time because it comes up over and over and over again. One of the points it comes up in is in John 20, right after Jesus has been resurrected and all of his disciples are so excited to see him. You know, he's he's just come out of an empty tomb and and here he is in the flesh again and they they didn't think they'd ever see him again and so Mary Magdalene, one of his more loyal disciples, runs to him and, and holds on to him really tightly. And he, he, he kind of goes like this. He says, Mary, Mary, don't, don't cling to me. Don't hold on to me too tightly because I still have to ascend. I'm not going to be here very long. Go cling to those of our siblings that are waiting. Jesus tells her, you have to let go of me, even. I'm not a swimming instructor, so take this for what it's worth. I'm, I'm actually just a pastor. Um, but I, I've heard that, you know, when you teach someone to swim, you don't teach them to grab on top of the water, right? <laughs> hey, kid, just hold on to the surface as tight as you can, and you'll be totally fine, right? What do you, what do you say to someone when you're teaching them to swim? You say, relax. Just float. Let go a little bit. I titled this sermon after the Marvin Gaye song, Got to Give It Up. Anyone remember that? It's 12 minutes long. If we started playing it right now, I bet we'd have two or three of you on the dance floor getting down to it. It's It's a great song. You should go listen to it. And actually, it it got me listening to Marvin Gaye again. I I went through a little Marvin Gaye phase in college and then kind of got away, but I was listening to uh, the album What's Happening this week, And oh my goodness, how many times did I listen to that? It was like non-stop. Our our daughter is going to be, yeah, big on Marvin Gaye, I guess, growing up. But it it was so beautiful. I would encourage you to go listen to it. I did some research on Marvin Gaye, too, and I I found out that he sort of famously had stage fright. Did you know that? And he's actually known as being a wonderful performer, too. He put on these really, really great shows, these intense and long shows, but he... He was incredibly, incredibly afraid, and in the song, Got to Give It Up, if you read through the lyrics, it's actually about um, him at a party struggling to get on the dance floor and to begin dancing. He's actually, he's more like a wallflower, right? He's just kind of, he's doing what I do at dance parties, he's just kind of hiding in the back like this, and he, he, he doesn't want to leave. And so he came up with this song, Got to Give It Up, and Keep on Dancing, to remind himself that he had to sort of let go if he was going to enjoy the dance, and then that translated into if he was going to be able to perform, he had to let go of that anxiety. He had to give it up. All of these stories, these 12 points, and those are my 12 points, by the way, All of these point to this one truth that we find in John chapter 12. Whoever would hate their life will find it. Whoever would love their life will lose it. I think the question that I have for you this morning is, what are you holding on to too tightly? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to hold just a little more loosely so that you don't lose it so that you find life in God in your midst. Let's pray. God, thank you for these stories. God, thank you for Marvin Gaye and his wonderful music, and God, thank you for his strength and courage to get over stage fright. God, thank you for the testimony of Harriet Tubman and others like her who were willing to give up their life in order to find it. God, I pray that you would reveal to us what we're clinging to, what we need to let go of. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: In the last week of his earthly life, Jesus prayed honest prayers to God with deep anguish and even in tears. We are encouraged at his example to open our hearts to God as we lift up our deepest needs and concerns to the one who is mighty to save. Let us pray. Gracious God, create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Today, Lord, we pray for all leaders and people that by the power of the cross, you would drive out all violence, domination, and injustice in our world. God, we think specifically of Asian American and Pacific Islanders who are living in fear and in grief after yet another example this week of white supremacy erupting in violence. God, remind us that when we are silent, we are part of the problem. God, go with us as we boldly try as your people to address racism in its most evil form and to do something about it. God, we pray for the entire world, places ravaged by war and famine and natural disaster. God, teach us to walk together in a way of righteousness and peace and service. Lord, we pray for the vocation of the church our own congregation, and the church as a whole, that our prayers would bear the fruit of action as we hear cries of pain and suffering of those in need. God, we pray for the poor, the terrified, those without homes. We pray for the oppressed and those who are too much alone, that they may find a home in you as we serve them in your name. God, we come to you this morning with people and situations on our hearts, both near and far. Meet us in those needs and show us the way to go. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done
1: announcements before we get you out of here. Uh, one, we're coming up on Easter already, which I can't believe. Um, <laughs> so it's what, two weeks away now? Yeah. Two weeks away. So if you would uh, like to attend our Easter service, we're asking, we ask you to register before every service uh, that has been proven to be a little more difficult than we imagined, but if you can, please, if you are planning to come to Easter, please, please, please sign up ahead of time just so we can get a great idea of how many people plan to attend so that we can take proper precautions and, and make sure that we are following all of our guidelines. So please, please go online, register. It should come out in the newsletter um, as well that you can register for the Easter service. There are uh, links to click, and we've made it as easy as possible. So. Um, Yes, please register before that service.
0: Holy Week, we have a few different opportunities for you to come and worship as we remember the last week of the life of Jesus Christ on earth. Starting with Palm Sunday, next Sunday, at this time, our normal worship, we will have a celebration with palms, we have a baptism as well, it will be a celebratory day, and at the end, we'll remember that we move into a much darker rest of the week. Thursday evening, Monday Thursday, we will have a light supper and a service in the Great Hall. We invite you to join us for that, 6 o'clock for the meal and 7 o'clock for the service, where we remember Jesus feasting, doing the Passover feast with his disciples, and marking that last night before his arrest. Good Friday, we will have a service uh, at noon here in the sanctuary as we remember the time of the crucifixion. We invite you to that as well. Both Thursday and Friday services will be fairly short, 30 to 45 minutes. So if you're working on Friday, you can come on a lunch break and join us for that. And then Easter Sunday, our normal time at 11, we will celebrate the resurrection together. So come, there will be colorful flowers and bubbles and excitement here we hope that you will be able to join us for all of those events and there is registration for all of those online as well so you can look for those links as well we also have coming up soon a films with Fort Street conversation if you didn't get one of these flyers and you're here in person you can grab one on your way out we have information online as well if you're watching at home This is an opportunity to discuss some documentaries that relate to the Matthew 25 initiative and the goals that we have related to that. We'll be starting with the film 13th this coming Thursday, and we are meeting together over Zoom to discuss the documentary. So watch it ahead of time, sometime between now and Thursday at 7.30, and it's an incredible film about the 13th Amendment and the racism that is part of the prison system here in the United States, the criminal justice system. So watch it, watch it um, for free on YouTube or on Netflix. If you have it there, there are links on our website. And then join us on Zoom for a conversation on Thursday. We also have one more adult education opportunity in Lent about the last week of Jesus' life. We'll be meeting on Zoom next Sunday at 9.30 to talk about the trials of Jesus. So we've had wonderful conversations so far so far about this last week of jesus life turning tables and praying in the in the garden and whether you've been with us for those or not please come to adult ed on zoom next week
1: as always uh, if you're interested in giving you can go online to www.fortstreet.org give or if you're here in person and you brought your offering the plates are in the back as you exit there will be coffee hour following worship today for those of you that are watching online Um, that is happening right after and I'm sure Amy is dropping into uh, the Facebook comments the link to that so join us for coffee hour if you are online and interested friends as you go may you know that you don't have to hold on to everything and cling to it and keep it together we serve a God that is holding on to all things for us may you know too that this God sees you May you know that this God loves you, and may you know that this God is smiling down upon you as you go. Amen.